Hey, Rob. Yo, Mike, what's up? How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? Are you ready for another um, exciting episode that we got for people today? A very controversial episode of The Rock Show. We have episode 84, and we're talking about a very controversial guy, but a guy that wrote some great hits, Gary Glitter. Yep, yep. Actually, uh, it's the third part of kind of a little glam rock series we did. We started with Sweet two weeks ago, and then Slade last week, and then today we're ending it with Gary Glitter. Uh, You know, the guy was a multi-platinum selling artist in England. Uh, He didn't really have too much happening here. We had two hits here, Rock and Roll Part 2. Everybody knows that one. And uh, he had one follow-up after that that did well. But uh, way bigger in England and became a rock icon. But really, it's a sad story. It's like a rise and fall of Gary Glitter. Uh, it's it's terrible because the guy, the guy was kind of a lunatic. Well, lunatic, pedophile, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> It's you can't you can't sugarcoat this. Uh, I just want to say that you know right off the bat, um, you know the guy's a mo- the guy's a monster. Okay, for what he did. Oh, the guy's we'll, definitely we'll, a monster. We're gonna talk about that, but he did make some great music. He did contribute to rock and roll history, and I think it's important to include him. Uh, he's in jail now, doing time. So. He's 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 got what's coming to him, you know. But you know what's funny? Other than that, the guy had some hits, man. The guy was writing hits, Mike. Uh, he had something like I don't know, eleven top ten hits in five years. You know, yeah. that's, a lot. that's a lot, you know. And and he was a huge, huge star in Europe, England, England in particular. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but he just had these demons that got him. Dude, but how, he he writes one of the biggest songs ever, Rock and Roll Part One, well, Rock and Roll Part Two. Yeah, you hear that in every sports arena. Do people even realize that? No, no. Yeah, I I mean it's something that you know. Yeah, I mean the range the Rangers used it for every time they a goal for you know at Madison Square Garden for years. How fucking funny is that? The guy's a pedophile. Well, you know. We'll go into it. I mean, that would change. We would, you know, they stopped using it for a long time. But the Rangers still use it. This is the places that still use it, like where the crowd is. Like- they, well, you know, what happened is they got away from it for a while, for a few years. And every once in a while it comes back, but they don't use it like they used to. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm like that. To me, I, I hear that in Yankee Stadium every time I'm there. Once in a while, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some places have brought it back, but for a good ten years or so, you didn't hear it at all, and then it, it started coming back again. But in the '90s, forget it. Every, you know, you heard it everywhere. Yeah. Oh my God, it was everywhere. It was like yeah. it was insane. How how it was crazy. Yeah. That song, like one of the biggest songs, but he also do the guy contribute to glam rap. The guy. Oh, other than that, the guy was a genius. Mm-hmm. I mean, he 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 was glam rock. Okay, I mean the other bands definitely were, but he just personified it. Also, just I mean, in his name, glitter. Yeah, you know, it, it just. And he was a guy who you know was around for a while, and and he kind of settled into that glam rock scene when it happened. But I'll get into it. You want me to start? Yeah. Oh, what up, Mike? Yeah. Before you start, the guy stole a little bit of his wardrobe from Presley. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, I just want to say that. And his stomach too. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Mike, give me the story, man. Let's start somewhere. So this is the Rock Show episode eighty-four. Uh, I think so. Yeah. So eighty-four, and uh, we're talking about a very uh, famous, controversial guy, Gary Glitter. The, the fucking guy was a lunatic. What you got for me, Mike? Let it down. Yeah, well, he was his real name. He was born Paul Francis Gad. Oh, well, uh, okay. Mike, before you start, I'm drinking a nice, refreshing beer, a PBR. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Nice. <laughs> nice. I wish I was having one, too. Oh, man. All right, so let's talk about Paul Francis. Let's go. Paul, Paul, Lay it Paul down. Francis Gad, okay, he was born on May 8th, 1944, in Banbury, Oxfordshire, England. Uh, his mother was unmarried and he never knew his dad. Okay. Wow. Uh, his mother and grandmother raised him for a while, but by age 10, uh, even though he was going to parochial school, he was hard to handle. Okay. And he ended up kind of being taken into local authorities care, meaning like orphanages and stuff like that, him and his brother. Now he loved music even as a young kid and by his teens, he kind of would frequently run away to London visiting the clubs. Now, his mother uh, actually remarried and lived in London, so he would go see her and then kind of like hit the clubs as a young kid. She couldn't control him, okay? So even though he was a young teenager, he began to be a kind of a popular regular at famous London clubs. Uh, there was one called The Two Eyes in Soho. Uh, there was a place called the Laconda and then another one called the Safari Clubs in the 50s that, you know, these were like early rock and roll clubs. And he would be going to them as a, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old. So these are the clubs you want to be seeing in to get a little notoriety or get a little reputation, right? Well, yeah. I mean, and he did want to break into the business. This is what he, he wanted to do. He became known in these clubs for his, his ability to sing. Okay. And he would get roles sometimes in these clubs, uh, you know, get, you know, be able to sing a few songs or something like that. He would do like early rock and roll standards or even ballads. Um, by the time he was 15 in 1959, film producer Robert Hartford Davis found him in one of these clubs and financed a recording session with Decca Records for him. In January of 1960, his first single was released under the stage name Paul Raven, okay? Uh, it was a song called Alone in the Night. And within a year, he would have a manager named Vic Billings and be signed to a recording contra contract with Parlophone Records. Now, what's interesting is, is when he got signed up with Parlophone, he met a person who would be a huge, huge important person in rock and roll only a couple of years later. But he met him first, and his name was George Martin, okay? George Martin produced Paul Raven before he produced the Beatles, okay? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that Glitter got to him first. But there was a song called Walk On Boy and then a song called Tower of Strength, okay? Uh, they were both released as singles, both produced by George Martin, and they both bombed. Okay, did not do well at all. In fact, after those two singles came out, his career was basically not going anywhere. And he was reduced to working as an assistant and also kind of playing up to warm up audiences on the show Ready, Steady, Go. 
In other words, before the show would start, they might have a couple of acts on to kind of warm up the audience, and he would be one of them. Okay, he he got into doing TV commercials. He did a few of them, and he tried his hand at film auditions, uh, not getting any, but he did quite a quite a few auditions to try to break into that business. And it was during this time that he met record producer and arranger Mike Leander. Okay, Mike Leander would be very important in his career. Now, during these lean years, uh, Paul had decided to get married to a woman named Ann Morton. That was in July 1963. Uh, He was only 19 at the time. They had two children together between 1965 and 1966. One was Paul Jr. and the other one was daughter Sarah. Uh, In early 65, Paul Raven joined the Mike Leander show band and he produced a few recording sessions for such artists as Thane Russell and a Scottish freak beat band called the Poets. So, and shortly after, Paul would start another band called Boston International. Now, from 1968 to 1970, Paul Gad would change his name again to Paul Mundy, okay, and release several singles, including a cover of the Beatles' Here Comes the Sun. One member of the Boston International was saxophonist John Russell, okay? And he would then kind of follow Paul's career into his new persona, which would be Gary Glitter. Yeah. Okay. Um, In 71, glam rock was just starting. Remember, we were talking about T-Rex that time? And Bowie was just coming up, okay? It was beginning to emerge as kind of something that they had to pay attention to. Now, T-Rex was huge. Bowie, Sweet, Slade were about to take off. Yep. Paul Gad wanted to be part of this new craze, and he came up with the idea for the name Gary Glitter. Which was a great name. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, he, t- he was thinking of different things. It was like Terry Tinsel, okay? <laughs> uh, v- Vicky Vomit. That would have been good. That would have been great. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Him changing his name like that, did that ever affect him or he or it just made him better? He, or did he just, he's a guy that likes different alter egos. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I think he was a guy that had no problem being kind of packaged. Okay. Gary Glitter was a packaged oh, yeah. product. Okay. Uh, the thing was, the music was great. Okay. A lot of times, pop music when it's manufactured and stuff sucks okay but in this case it was actually pretty damn good music and he had good songwriters and musicians with him and it was top notch okay but he he was a guy who really was going to do anything to make it yeah he like he changed his name he did what he had to do he really wanted to be on top of the charts right and you know when he was paul raven and he he toured all over europe Okay, Uh, he really was like, you know, he did put on some shows that were very good, according to people that have that had seen it, Uh, but he just never could take off. But you could tell he had he had something and just the glam rock thing. And I I, I think the outrageousness of it, I think it really suited him, you know, so he became Gary Glitter. Now, Mike Leander and Gary would work on a song that would be a monster hit and it would forever be associated with Glitter himself and glam rock in general. Now, that was the song Rock and Roll. That's a great song. Part one and part two. Now, 
the song is done in two parts right now. The first being a vocal track where he's kind of talking about the rock and roll genre in general, like, you know, remember this, remember back in the day and all that stuff. And part two was just mostly instrumental with a few hey, hey's and yeah, yeah's thrown in. Right. And that's the one that's mostly used part two. Well, part two. okay, both parts actually were very popular in England. Yeah. And, And the single itself would make it to number two. okay, there. But only rock and roll part two became popular in the United States. It yeah. would make it to number seven on Billboard in 72. Uh, it was one of the biggest selling glam rock records ever in the United States. And it's been used often, like we were saying, for sporting events and stuff like that in commercials. Uh, most recently in The Joker. Remember was he using The Joker? Yeah. Remember the scene he's on the steps? He's dancing. Oh, yeah, he was. Dan- yeah, I remember that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a big part of that movie. Now, in France, the song actually, part one, would actually go to number one. Okay, that version of it. His backing band at first was called the Glitter Men. So it was Gary Glitter and the Glitter Men. Later, it would change to the Glitter Band uh, in 1973. Now, John Russell, who was with him before, would play trombone, sax, and kind of be a musical director. They had a guy named Jerry Shepard on lead guitar and vocals, Pete Phipps on drums and keyboards, Tony Leonard also on drums, John Springate on bass and vocals, and Harvey Ellison on sax. Now, you got to mention that Pete Phipps was on drums and Tony Leonard was on drums. You know what that meant, right? Yeah. He had two drummers on stage. Yeah. All right. And it was very unique to see that. You don't see that too much, okay? Now you and never hardly it, ever see uh, like two ever, drummers. And it created, it created this like big sound, okay, which was what he was after. And it, it was, it was just a, if you if you go on YouTube and you look at some, some live stuff that he did on stage, just to see the two drummers there was was pretty amazing, you know. Now, the band was, uh, the band he had was really for live performances only. Okay, the guitarist, the bass player, the drums. These guys didn't play on the albums. In the studio, Mike Leander played all the instruments except the brass section. And that's when they used Russell and Ellison, the guys that played sax and trombone and stuff like that. Now, as a side note, just to mention it briefly, in 73, John Russell approached Mike Leander about the Glitter Band recording some material without Gary Glitter. That's how popular he was. Like his band was, was, was popular too, just the band. So a song called Angel Face was released as a single and it got to number four in the UK, just as the Glitter Band. Several singles would be released until 76 when kind of punk rock in England put kind of a, a, a kibosh on glam, but They would rename themselves at that point in 76 as the G-Band, okay? And they kind of found themselves struggling for a hit. They weren't doing that good anymore. But they would eventually revert back to the Glitter Band name and perform off and on with Gary himself for many years to come, okay? They actually tried their little hand at a solo act, and it worked for a couple of years. But back in 72, while Rock and Roll Part 1 and 2 were hits... 
Glitter would be performing live all over Europe, okay? He also had many top-of-the-pop performances, which are now banned in the UK because of the sex crimes yeah, he later, would later be convicted of. How crazy but, is that that they don't even... Yeah, I mean, it, he's completely, like, washed away from that, you know? Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but now, after Rock and Roll was a hit, the debut album Glitter would be released in March of 72. Um, the album was recorded at the Mayfair Studios in London and would get to number eight in the UK. In addition to Rock and Roll Part 1 and 2, the next single was called I Didn't Know I Loved You Till I Saw You Rock and Roll. And that would also do very well in the UK and go top 40 in America as well. Rock and Roll Part 2 and I Didn't Know I Loved You Till I Saw You Rock and Roll were the only hits he had in America. And that's and, it. That was pretty much yeah. it. Yeah, and the second one was, you know, I think it might have cracked like the top 30, I think it did. I don't think it got higher than that. Um, the album was a mix of originals and covers by uh, Chuck Berry, Richie Valens. Um, others would be I'm the Leader of the Gang, I Am. Um, this would be Glitter's first number one in the UK in the summer of 73. The follow-up to that was I Love, You Love, Me Love. Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, and that would also hit the top of the charts as well. Now, in 74, uh, he would release a live album, okay? It's called Remember Me This Way, which was also a a single, okay, as well. Um, He recorded this at the Rainbow Theater in London in 73 on Christmas. And it was actually released a few months later in 74, there was a documentary filmed and released at the same time. Okay. Called remember me this way. Now back in 73, but that went up to like number three, right? It was a success. Yeah. Yeah. It did very well. The live album. It's a good album. It is. I was listening to it the other day. Uh, In June of 73 though, they saw the release of the album, the second album touch me. All right. And that had top five singles on it. Like, do you want to touch me? And hello, hello, I'm back again. Those were like top five hits. If they only knew what kind of people he was touching. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's You listen to some of these, like, titles of these songs. And, I mean, I know that, the you know, Mike Leander wrote most of the songs, okay? Glitter had his credit for a few, uh, but Mike Leander pretty much wrote everything. And you would think, like, by some of these titles that he knew, you know what I mean? It's like, Jesus Christ, how did he come up with that? Do even the time, doing it all right with the boys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, man. But it just didn't mean that, you know? It, 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 I'm just it saying. Was just yeah. Oh, my God. But, okay, so after the second... Even leader of the gang. Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, there's that one lyric, I, I'm the guy... Who, I'm the man who put the bang in gang. Yeah, it's like, oh, man. <laughs> He's talking shit. about a gang. He's talking about a gang bang. Yeah, it's like, oh, my God. Like, like some of the songs you listen to, them, and then you look at it, you're like, holy shit, this guy was, yep. he was yeah, singing exactly. about some of the shit he did. Yeah, yeah. Now, in 74, after the live album, uh, glam rock was kind of starting to die down a bit in the UK. Uh, Bowie was starting to change. He's starting the Young Americans thing. And, you know, uh, Glam was starting to get a little washed up. So um, his last top 10 would be the song Doing All Right with the Boys. 
and that would be released. That would be released in early '75, and it was kind of on the heels of another standalone single called "Love Like You and Me," and that would get to number ten. You know what's sad? That's actually a pretty good song. Yeah, that all his songs are good. Now, yeah. changing changing sounds in the UK and the end of glam rock would make Mike Leander and Glitter kind of reassess the well-known sound that they had. And that kind of brings me to the next album, the 1975 GG album. Okay, it's just G, the initials Gary Glitter, GG. Yeah. Now, Gary, that was Gary Glitter's third album. And the album was a bit of a mess, okay? The original plan was to try to break Gary Glitter into the U.S. market. Yeah. Rock and Roll had done well. I didn't know I loved you till I saw you rock and roll had done okay. But his other singles didn't chart in the States at all. And the two studio albums didn't chart. But Rock and Mark, let me ask you a question. He went yeah. to exile. This is like after two years, right? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. You're talking about when he when he went away for about a year and a half. Yeah, he went for a year because okay. nothing was happening. Like he, was, he was taking album, but nothing was happening. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting to that. That would be kind of like after this album. Sorry, I jump in. I jump again. No, that's okay. That's okay. You're 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 about six months behind. It's okay. I had I, I had I mean. <laughs> but now now, composer and songwriter uh, Harris Fry was brought in to write a song specifically for Glitter, and it was a song called Satan's Daughter. Yeah, and it was supposed to be a single, but. Bell Records never, which was his label, he was, it was part of Arista. Uh, they they um, were supposed to release it as a single, but they never did. Instead, there was a non-album single called You Belong to Me that they felt was a safer bet, all right? It was kind of almost a disco song. Yeah. All right, because disco in 75 was, was pretty big. So a single off the album... Um, was another cover. It was a cover of the Rivington song, Papa Um Mau Mau. All right. And, you know, I don't know what they were thinking of this. It, it, it got released and, and it made it to like the high thirties in the UK. And that was like his worst showing to date for a single at that point. Wow. Yeah. But no. Mike, he always had uh why did he always have, he had actually pretty good writers when you look at his history. He did. I mean, Leander, Mike Leander wrote everything for him. Yeah, so I'm thinking, like, dude, these guys, he actually had a good fucking, um, he had great writers. What the fuck, man? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, you know, some of the albums had, had you know, a lot of the albums had a lot of covers, too. Like, he he, yeah. he would do a lot of covers, even in spite of having the, I don't know. I think they were trying anything. Like I said, he was, he was packaged. But Mike, let me ask you. Yeah, he was packed. Let me ask you another question. Was that the uh, was that the design? Let's get him a bunch of writers. See, he's actually a good singer. He could get the song out. Let's get some great writers and just just make him an artist. Well, with yeah, I mean, with this album, they were really trying to break into the American market, but it was a total failure. I think, like, even in the middle of making it, I think the record company didn't like. The, the direction he went. Okay. Um, there was a lot of covers on there. And, and also like the, the songs that he picked was like, you know, uh, like Cupid by Sam Cooke. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's a good one for him, I guess, but like he, he actually covered baby. I love your ways by Peter Frampton. That's a great song. Yeah. Actually, I hate that song. To be honest with you, but 
I'm not. Uh, a it's, fan. A, it's a great song. It depends who's singing it. It's a it's a classic, I guess. But he did it like right when Frampton did it. That was like '75. Okay, I think I think it was maybe a year or two old. I forget when it came out exactly, but uh, you know, it, it just was like he was trying different things on that album, and it's actually not a bad album. It's not awful. Okay, it just didn't do well. Uh, it didn't even chart. Okay, so you know what they they were trying anything. Okay, so what they did was they planned this big tour. Okay, and they were noticing that ticket sales were kind of down. So they they decided to do like a publicity stunt. They announced that he was gonna retire. Okay, Ugh. and it actually worked. Okay, the the ticket sales skyrocketed the tour was mostly sold out it didn't do much for sales it helped a little bit okay um but it 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 definitely helped with the tour all right people were like well gonna see him one last time and that's it now gary had divorced his wife Anne in 1972 and he was now in this new relationship in 1976 and he, he decided to take like at least a year, year and a half off. And he was living in exile in France and Australia. And he would, during that time, he would plan his comeback. It, you know, the retirement wasn't real. He had no intention of retiring. But uh, he was in a bad financial mess, okay? Uh, he was forced to declare bankruptcy in 1977, which he later blamed on the high tax rate in the UK. All right. But in 77, he would also come back and release his fourth studio album called Silver Star. Uh, the single It Takes All Night Long would get to number 25. It would not be enough to even fix his financial problems. By the early 80s, he would perform live, often keep, you know, keeping his name out there. That's really what yeah. he wanted to do. Uh, he was loved by the post-punk crowd. Okay, in England, and even was getting kind of recognized as a father of punk rock. Yeah, he no, did. Okay. You know, he, you realize he lived in Cuba for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna get to that. I mean, he he lived all in quite was, a few places. I was kind of shocked by that. The whole Cuba thing, living in Cuba. Well, I think he, you know, he had his way that he wanted to live, and in some of these countries, you can get away with certain things, you know, especially if you got money. Okay. Yeah. Now, in 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 eighty four. He was now a, a Buddhist and a vegetarian, okay? And he would release a Christmas song, which is kind of funny, all right? And it's, 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 a, it's a great Christmas song that almost made our list last year. I almost put it on there. Maybe I'll put it on this year if we do another list. Oh, yeah, we're doing the top 10 best Christmas song, and it's going to change. There's some songs that came up for the charts, you know? Yeah, you never know, right? But this one's called Another Rock and Roll Christmas. And it was written by uh, Gary Glitter, Mike Leander, and Eddie Siago. Okay. And it would be on his fifth studio album called Boys Will Be Boys. and was released that same year. It would get to number seven in the UK, his biggest single since 1975. Now, in 1988, Rock and Roll Part 2 would be heavily sampled by the Time Lords and renamed Doctoring the TARDIS as a Doctor Who tribute. Do you remember that? I, I, I probably heard it. I remember instead, instead all the of, shit. Instead of saying it was rock and roll, okay, the, 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 the music, but the words were saying Doctor Who, 
Oh, I yeah, Terry Yeah, yeah, that was that was yeah. a big. Uh, you know what? That that was more of a techno hit. It was kind of a techno-y kind of thing. Because I remember, was, you know, I remember that being playing the limelight back in the days. You go on a Friday night, yeah. Doctor Who. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it definitely, you know, it got people kind of interested in him again. That song actually went to number one. Now, Glitter would also release, re-release rock and roll again with producer Trevor Horn little bit of a different version of it. Trevor Horn is the guy that sang Video Killed the Radio Star. Oh, that's a, I love that song. Yeah. And also Metal All Girl Band, Girl School, did a cover of I'm the Leader of the Gang I Am. You, you know what's so funny? This guy inspires so many people also. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many yeah. people listen to Gary Gere and say, that's who I want to be. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 he was just cool. You know, I mean, nobody knew this other side of him, okay? Nobody. Let me ask you a question. He, he met Elvis. Did he ever meet Elvis? I don't believe so. Uh, Elvis died in 77. I don't I don't think, nah, I don't think that paths would have crossed. So they never, but he, he met like a lot of the famous stars, you know, like he influenced, so, he influenced so many people that like when you look at him, everybody pretty much was a Gary, Gary, Glitter was a blueprint for glam rock. Oh, yeah. He was a blueprint for glam Which rock. Which I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when T-Rex was, was kind of starting it, and then Bowie and Glitter in the middle of that, and, you know, Glitter was just wild and outrageous. You know, if you watch him live, he was like manic on stage. You know, his eyes bugged out, and he'd be like, you know, He's wearing that big wig. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> hey, how about Freddie Mercury? He expired with Freddie Mercury to do yes, another character, right? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He performed under a different name for a while. Uh, was it Lex something? Or Le- I, I forget. It was Larry, like, oh. Larry Lex or something like that? Yeah, Larry something. Yeah, it was a name he used for a little while. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, the outrageousness of, 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 of glam rock, the giant boots, Okay, that all, you know, this guy had a giant ego. Yeah. Okay, and, 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 you know, and an arrogance and a swagger about him. He just, like, didn't give a fuck. I think people like that about him, but it would be his downfall, you know. Um, Mike, let me ask you a, a, a weird question right now. Yeah, yeah. Gary Glitter, Gary Glitter, Gigi Adams, who was the... <laughs> uh... <laughs> These two guys are almost, uh, to me, know, they're almost like uh, the same shit in different ways. Yeah, I mean, you know, Gigi was, uh, <laughs> I mean, we did that show on him. I mean, you know, he was all, he was out of his mind. Yeah. Okay. In a violent way, where Gary Glitter was more, yeah, you could say it was violent because he was accused of rape and all that, but uh, a little bit more sneaky. Yeah, but he was like he was like pretty intelligent. Like he wasn't a dummy. Like he knew what he wanted no, to do. You mean Gigi or Gary Glitter? Gary Glitter. Yeah, well, Gigi wasn't an idiot either. No, I mean I'm not saying that Gigi was yeah. an idiot, but Gary Glitter had a game plan. He he was like, I yeah. might be marketing, but I'm gonna get an audience. I might be studio made, but I'm gonna get an audience. I'm gonna become famous. I'm gonna do this. So and, there and was a knew, blueprint. He knew how to play the press too. Yes. Okay. 
Uh, and he would actually do this when he started having his legal problems, too. He would play the press. I'll talk about that after. But, you know, uh, glam rock was huge. It was front page news. The tabloids in the U.K. had, a, uh, you know, a field day with, with the glam rock bands. Okay. And, you know, he fit right into that. He wanted to be on the front page of, uh, you know, the, the Daily Telegraph or, you know, whatever papers they got over there. You know, and, and it, this is what he what he wanted to be. He wanted to be famous from a kid from when he was a kid. He was looking for attention and he got it as an adult. It took him till he was about 30 years old, but he got it. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. Now, um, in 1991, he would venture into the restaurant business and he opened up a place in uh, uh, Leicester Square. Um, he even kind of had his own candy bar for a while. Okay, it was called the Gary Glitter Bar. Did he just want kids to bite on it? Yeah, I guess they want yeah to bite on his candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> but he, it was promoted as the leader of the snack. Oh my god, that sounds horrible. That's funny. I, I know. Leader you know, of the snack, come here, kids. Here's <laughs> a <your> snack. <laughs> he also started his own label, Attitude Records, after he lost his original record deal. Yeah. And a new studio album called Leader 2 was released in 1991. And a best-selling autobiography called The Leader was published. Uh, he performed also at the 1994 FIFA World Cup in Chicago. I remember that. Yeah. yeah I remember watching that. And that was a big hit. Uh, Rock and Roll Part 2 at that point in the States had become like, you know, the sporting event regular thing that you would hear all the time. Yeah. Uh, in 95, Oasis used a sample from Hello, Hello, I'm Back Again yep. on the multi-million selling album, What's the Story, Morning, Morning Glory. That Remember that? Yeah, I, I love that song. I thought that was a great cover. Yeah, yeah. He got a lot of money for that. You too. know what's funny? I thought it was funny that Gary Glitter did a cover of the, son of the, the House of the Rising Sun. Yeah, yeah, he did release that at one point. Yeah, as a single. Can I, I tell I... you? That was a shit song that he did. <laughs> That's a great song. It just wasn't really good how he did it. No, know? it's a great song, but it's not a great song for him to do it. But the, nah. the hello, hello, I'm, I'm back. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, 1995, Oasis was, was giving him props. And, you know, like I said, 1994, the FIFA World Cup. He was still, you know, in the public consciousness. Uh, yeah. And in England, he was still very popular. But by November of 1997, the bottom would fall out of his life. And, and his career, okay? Because this is when it all begins to fall apart because of the sex crimes. Yeah. Um, in November of 1997, Gary Glitter had taken his personal computer in to be serviced in Bristol in England. And uh, the technician working on his computer discovered pornographic pictures of children on the computer. So there were too many pictures for it to be an accident. So this technician and I guess the store uh, notified the authorities, okay? And the police raided his homes in London and Somerset and found a whole bunch of other child porn stuff, okay? Uh, immediately, it was like a media frenzy in the UK tabloids. Gary Glitter was like a British rock icon, and he was accused of something pretty heinous, right? Uh, yeah, it was, it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was supposed to have an appearance in the Spice Girls movie called yeah. Spice, Spice World, okay? 
but he had a he had a scene in it, but they cut it out right away. He would have touched all of them. He probably they were probably too old for him. Yeah, <laughs> but his scene got edited out before the movie was ever released. But they had the, I'm the leader of the Mike, gang. What can you say about his? He, he was filming a documentary. Remember me this way. Remember me this way was from the early seventies. That was when because uh, he taped got, it. Right, yeah. he taped all that stuff, and like, it, when did that come out? Um, it was shown in the theaters, I think, when the live album was out in '74, briefly. But then it came out on DVD and was released right around the time of his legal problem. How crazy was that? In two thousand, that actually got released in two thousand and five. Remember me? Oh, this way. Got, yeah, it was like a couple of years after, like he started, you know, before he went to jail. Yeah, the first time it was issued, so. So he's going. So he had to fucking leave. He was in the Spice Girl. They cut him off. Right. And the walls are coming down on him, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it just keeps getting worse. Now, on November 12th, the Bristol Crown Court gave Glitter four months in prison and placed him on a sex offenders list. He admitted to downloading over 4,000 images of child pornography. Jesus Christ. Now, it wasn't his first brush, though, with illegal sexual conduct. He was cleared of a case involving an underage girl that he was in a relationship with in the 70s, but it was never really publicized about. It was able to, you know, like he he was acquitted of it and it went away. Okay, Uh, it never really became a big thing in the news for some reason. Now, now he was disgraced. Okay, in 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 in, with this in 97. So he left England on his yacht. And he fled to Spain, a city called Soto Grande. Wow. And he lived there for about six months under the alias name of Larry Briante. Okay. Now, doesn't that mean Larry Brilliant? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of Gary Glitter, Larry yeah. Brilliant. I mean, it's like, is this a joke? <laughs> but yeah. at one point, he got known. Okay. And he had to leave again. Uh, these people realized who he was. And he ended up moving to Cuba for a while. And then after Cuba, he would end up in Cambodia where he rented an apartment. And in late 2002, the Cambodian authorities arrested him based on older sex charges. Yeah. And he, and he spent four days in jail for that. Okay. I think they were just fucking with him basically to try to get him to leave. But in January 2003, he would be deported to Thailand from Cambodia. And uh, after some a short time in Thailand, he would end up in Vietnam in 2005. I thought that was fascinating that he winded up in Vietnam also, to tell yeah, you the truth. I mean, if you think about it, you know, like all those Far East countries are known for, you know, being able to get young, young women. But my, young, young like, it was funny. Yeah. He's doing all this and he was still earning money. Still earning his royalties, okay? Which is amazing. They were, putting I, I out, they were putting out best ofs every other year, okay? Uh, his career was, was far from over, okay? Uh, it's just that now he's on the run, okay, basically. He left England. Uh, he's in disgrace. But he was living in Vietnam in an area called Vung Tau, okay? And he rented this luxurious apartment, and he even sought permanent residency in the country. He wanted to wow. stay there. But authorities became aware of him 
after he was accused of groping a teenage waitress in a nightclub. And at the same time, eyewitnesses also saw him leave that club with two young girls that went home with him. Wow. Yeah. Now, November 12, 2005, he ended up fleeing his home there in Vietnam, but leaving behind a 15-year-old girl who was actually living with him. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and authorities questioned her. And, you know, they began looking for glitter. They couldn't find him. Uh, He would get arrested at the International Airport in Ho Chi Minh City trying to board a flight to Bangkok. All right, he was trying to get out of the country. A total of, and when the police questioned everybody, there was a total of six girls between the ages of 11 and 23 who claimed Glitter had sex with them. Yeah, he, he was out of his mind. Yeah, yeah. And he was held by police in Vung Tau under suspicion of having sex with two underage girls. By December 26, child rape charges were dropped for lack of evidence. He had a, a good Vietnamese lawyer. Uh, but Glitter did admit that the 11-year-old girl slept in his bed. Okay, but he said he didn't do nothing with her. But child rape charges, had they had stuck, okay, if they were able to prove that, he would have been executed by a firing squad. Holy shit. All right, that, that would have been the end of him. Now, he also, and this is where it gets kind of sick, but he also sent payments to the victim's families. While while he was, you know, uh, you know, being arrested here. OK. And they began to appeal for his clemency. In other words, they were saying, like, you know, be easy on him. They, 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 the people he was paying off. OK. Now, Michael Jackson kind of did the same thing, right? Oh, yeah. Michael Jackson never did the same thing. He paid off people, right? Yeah. But Gabby good. And this is in a weird time where that shit wasn't that crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, he flaunted it. He flaunted it. You know, he was Gary Glitter. He could do anything he wanted. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's fucked up. Now, March 2nd of 2006, he was tried on committing obscene acts with a 10 and 11-year-old girls. He faced up to 14 years for that if convicted. Instead, he was found guilty but given three years in jail. And after the sentence, he was going to be deported. That was part of the deal. He was also ordered to pay the victim's families 5 million Vietnamese dong. Okay. You know how much that translates to in American money? $315. You did your research. $315. Nothing. Okay. I, thought that was, I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Now, Glitter, despite of everything, even paying people off, whatever, he said he was innocent. Okay. Now, he claimed constantly that the British tabloids were setting him up, okay, like to send him young girls and make them look older, like he would get confused and not ask them their ages, but he would think they were older. But in May of 2006, he actually sat down for an interview while he was in jail with the BBC News. And he actually, out loud, said he hoped he could resurrect his career in England when he got out, because that's where he wanted to go. But over the nine years since his first charge of having child porn, his music and the imagery, you know, his image would be kind of practically be banned in England. Okay, and even in the USA, sporting events stopped using rock and roll part two for a while. 
Yeah, they were uh, just like, this is done. This guy's a pedophile. We got to Yeah, he's a pedophile. We can't play his music, you know? So his sentence would be reduced by three months in February of 2007. He had three months chopped off. <laughs> in anticipation of this, of his release, the Philippines actually banned him from the country, even before he was out of jail, just in anticipation of him getting out. All right. And while in jail, in Vietnam jail, he stayed in a cell with 18 other foreign prisoners. He was exempted from hard labor because of his age, but he did develop like intestinal problems when he was in prison and he developed a heart condition, which resulted in a heart attack in January of 2008 while he was in jail. Uh, Members of the British embassy in Vietnam visited him in the hospital where he was staying. Um, Glitter's lawyer prior to his release would claim that Glitter would be returning to the UK. Okay, and when he was released on August 19th, 2008, he was put on a flight to London with a layover in Bangkok. All right. And British police were sent to Bangkok to escort him back to the UK on the flight (laughs) to make sure he doesn't get away. Right. Right. But this is where it gets nuts. Okay, during the layover, when when the when the flight came for to go to back to England, he refused to get on the plane. Okay. He refused to board the plane, saying that he was a free man and he suffered from a heart condition. Okay, he would instead book himself in the airport into a transit lounge, which is kind of like some of the foreign airports have. that. I don't think they have them here. Like you can rent like a little room while you're waiting. Okay, I don't know. Have you ever seen that in an airport in the States? No, nah, I haven't seen that. Yeah. This is the first, we this was the first time I've ever yeah, heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard about it in foreign countries. But you could actually, you know, like if you got a long layover, I think there might be a bed in there, things like that. But Thai authorities warned him that he would be detained and deported if he didn't leave voluntarily. Okay, that they would arrest him and question him and then deport him. Okay, right back anyway. So uh, on August 20th in the evening, he took a flight to Hong Kong saying he needed medical treatment and that he might be having a heart attack. When he got to Hong Kong on the flight, they wouldn't admit him in. And he was sent right back to Bangkok the next day. Okay, Mike, you know what? This must be unprecedented, but 19 countries told him he can't come. Yeah, yeah. Think about how bad he is. That 19 countries, fuck you. The, the 19 countries, including Cuba, Cambodia, the Philippines, a bunch of others, all said they will not take him in. Dude, so, think how amazing that is. How fucking... Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, I mean, the power of the internet. I remember hearing about this, kind of, that he was released and then, like, didn't... Like, he was stuck somewhere. You know, like, I didn't know the whole story. But I'm like, what do you mean? You know, like, yeah, he's like in Thailand. I was hearing about it on, on the internet. Okay. Mike, I swear to God, I was hearing this with from Kirk Logan on MTV News. Kurt Loader? Kurt Loader, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the guy. Yeah. He's an interesting motherfucker, but that's the guy. Gary Good is not allowed. I remember to see hearing him breaking news on MTV. Uh, yep. on, uh, on, it was MTV News. It was yep. insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a guy who's like, you know, a huge rock icon in England and he's on the run basically. And he's trying to get into these countries that'll take him. Nobody wants him. 
So on August 22nd, he, he went back to the UK. And when he got there, he was met by British authorities. Now, he was immediately put on the British sex offenders register list for life. Okay. And he would try to appeal that right away, but then shortly dropped the appeal. Uh, on June 25th, 2008, before his prison release, okay, the Daily Telegraph uh, quoted him saying he would start on a new album when he got back to the UK. Uh, he didn't really, didn't really do that. Um, no. He did lay low for the next few years. Uh, but in October of 2012, more legal troubles would come for him. Okay. Um, there was a documentary that came out called The Other Side of Jimmy Seville. Jimmy Seville was, was uh, um, the host of Top of the Pops. And he was a BBC uh, like news anchor, too, I think. Something like that. Um, he had died the year before. But this documentary was about him and allegations of sexual misconduct by him. Okay, he was kind of like, uh, you know, pedophile himself or definitely, you know, girls would have to do things to him to get on the he show was, and things like that. Okay. He was hanging out with Glitter. Well, they, they did. They were friends. Okay, they were friends. And in the middle of this investigation into Jimmy Seville, uh, they found these, 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 you know, these things about Glitter. Like there was a story that he raped a 13-year-old girl in Jimmy Seville's dressing room in the 1970s. Wow. All right. And Glitter would be arrested and questioned immediately after this came out. And since his return to the UK four years earlier, he was, he was, oh, three years earlier, he was not allowed to travel. He had like a ban. He, he couldn't leave the country. So he wasn't able to really flee this time. Okay. So, did they take away his passport or whatever? It, it's more than that. It's I guess they take your passport, but you're on like a like a no fly list, basically. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, and June four, June fifth, uh, twenty fourteen, as part of what was called Operation U Tree, and that was a large investigation into many rape and child porn and other sexual misconducts for many people, notably celebrities. They were looking at. Glitter would be charged on eight counts of sexual offenses related to two girls ages 12 and 14 between the, between the years 1977 and 1980. Uh, he, he stood trial on February 5th, 2015. Okay, uh, He was convicted of attempted rape, four counts of indecent assault, and one count of having sex with a girl under the age of 13. Wow. Okay, they gave him 16 years in Wandsworth Prison in England. Okay, and on February 27, 2015, he was sentenced. His appeal began immediately, but was denied, and that's where he is today. Wow. Yeah. So it's a um, sad story. But he went. He went from being like a grabber icon to influence a bunch of people to like this guy's a shit show down. Well, I'm, you know, you think about his life as a kid, okay? You know, he didn't know his father, okay? He had a troubled childhood. He was in and out of orphanages, starting at a 13, 14, 15 years old in the clubs. What happened to him in those clubs? Yeah. Okay, you, he must have 
I wouldn't be surprised if he was raped himself. As a you kid. know what, you know what probably happened to him. He probably looked at him, so he thought he, he still thought he was that age and having sex with these women. Whatever, maybe. Okay, uh, I, I mean, you know, in my research, and I, I knew this stuff, and I'm a Gary Glitter fan. I feel bad for him. At the same time, I don't feel bad for him because he did what he did, and he needs to be in jail. But you know, it's it, it's such a sad story because he really was, you know, on top of the world bigger than nobody else you know I mean, he was yeah. huge okay and and then just to see this decline but he had you know i was watching a documentary last night about it and there's a couple of them on youtube one's called the real gary glitter you should check that one out uh they some of these these women that you know he did stuff to speak out a little bit and wow. um yeah i mean Mike Leander is is interviewed and and Ro, uh, John Russell, he's interviewed. And, you know, uh, you know what's funny that the guy had one of the biggest Christmas song and one of the biggest sports anthem. And yeah, to you for you telling me this that 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 whole documentary thing, the guy ended his shit. Yeah, I mean, in the in this documentary I was watching last night, the the, the real Gary Glitter, uh, Russell says how. By the mid seventies, you know, like seventy five, seventy six, their relationship was 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 strange. Like he knew him from Paul Raven times, okay. Wow. And his real name was Paul Gad. Remember? Yeah. So he always called him Paul. And there was a point when he was in the dressing room. It was just the two of them talking before a show, and he he called him Paul, and. Gary Glitter said, never call me Paul again. I'm Gary. Wow. I'm Gary Glitter. So he believed his own hype in a way. You know, I mean, he believed he was the biggest star in the world. And he was at one point, but he was at one point. But but when it ended, he still was acting like he was. Okay. And I don't know, man, you know, it's a disease. This this stuff, you know, this kind of these these sex crimes. It's a disease. It, it's pretty amazing when we talk about these kind of crime and people are like, they they're like, oh, blah blah blah. But it's happening, man. Yeah, you know, and and that Operation U Tree that he got caught up in, yeah, was like a countrywide, you know, nationwide thing in, in England where they were getting a lot of celebrities and you know investigating all kinds of allegations. They scooped up a lot of people with that. But there's pictures of, you know, Gary Glitter in the 90s when he was like this rock icon. He would go on a TV show and people would go crazy. Uh, He was even on one of these like this is your life kind of shows where they they bring back people from his past. And they were playing like his first single and he was all embarrassed. But he was like a huge star. okay? and there's even pictures of him with Prince Charles. okay? And now look where he is, right? Wow, you know, it's amazing how how you go from being from being the ruler of the world to just now you're a jail cell. Yep, yep. It's got to be a a, a a crushing thing to your ego, you know. I can imagine. So, Mike, we got a uh, next week. We got a big show. We got the making of the Beatles revolver. Then we got the birds. 
Uh, we got the legend of uh, Sif Baders. We got Richard Hell and Generation X. So the, 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 the hits keep on coming. Yeah, yeah. And, and I did it again, Rob. Okay? I tied in two shows together. Who did I talk about today? George Martin, right? Yeah. And we got the Beatles next week. <laughs> yeah. And you always you always find a way to uh, put these shows together, which it's is like, brilliant in a way you do it. I think you don't even know that you're I doing don't even, it. I'll it's, be uh, honest with you. I, I don't realize that that's one of the few times I actually caught myself with it because you said, said the Beatles show next week. But I don't know how. It's like six degrees of separation. You know, <laughs> but you do it all the time. I don't know if you've been a perfect, but so far the schedule, the bands and shit that coming in is great. Everything um, tied so together. On our list next week, August third, we got Little Richie, which I think the Little Richie show was a great show. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. Uh, that's coming up next week for everybody. Little yeah, Richie. so you know, I always like to uh, remind people because we do a lot of shows. Like we're we're all over the place and. Um, we work hard. Mike works hard. Um, we want you guys to uh, join our, our, our page, uh, the Rocker, Rocker Mike and Rob um, Rock Show page. Join us. We also want you to watch us on YouTube. Uh, we really, and if you listen, if you do see us on YouTube, hit the smash button, subscribe, and hit the like button because um, we're actually picking a little bit of momentum right now. We're actually doing pretty good, and um, cool. we work hard to get these. Um, Shows out to you. Mike works very hard at research. Like he, uh, when I met him, he had a full head of hair, and now he's putting his hair because he got to put a show together once a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's true. But, but Mike, brilliant. It's a, it's a labor of love, Rob. Yeah, but it's brilliant so far. The stuff that we talked to, like I think last last week's show was brilliant, and I'm really looking forward to the um. Captain Beefheart, Beefheart. Today I got a thing. You know, Captain Beefheart released a brand new, uh, like a uh, not like it's enough, but they released a live album of him. Oh, really? I didn't hear about that. Yeah, a live album. It's an old one, but they just released it, like remastered, redone. I got a thing. It's funny. I got the the, the alert on Google about. Oh, it's like, I got to check it out. Yeah, it's like a release, like remaster, re-release. So um, there's a lot of shit coming out, and now with Gary Glitter. Let's see what we get, man, because fucking bizarre, strange motherfucker, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely a maniac. So uh, where can we find you, Rob? So you can get me at anything getting lumped up. Um, I'm also We also got T-shirts. If you want to support the show, get a T-shirt for me and Micah Rock. We got the uh, Crime Rock Show shirt, and we also got the, um, the same from this to that. It's the Rock the rock the rock show um but you can find me a bunch of social media mike where can we find you i'm on instagram rocker mike 212 rocker mike 212 i'm on twitter rocker mike 3 and then i'm on facebook under my name michael baker but you could also find uh me and rob on the rock show podcast group page on facebook that he just mentioned about yeah um every day i put up a song of the day the lumped up song of the night, keeping the lumped up, you know, network going. And, yeah, and let me and let me tell you, if you guys really want to listen to us, we have two shows. We got the uh, Rocket Mike and Rob Percent. And if you really want to listen to us preach, listen to this conspiracy show. You might lose your fucking mind. Conspiracy four two zero, always controversial. Four two zero, always controversial. And Mike, how do we end every show? Don't get drunk.
Again, lumped up. See you next week. Have a good one. Take care, people.